Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I am Kane Miller, joined by Joel Rojas. Joel, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we're going to try something a little bit different here today. Um, I know that usually for our podcast, we tend to stick to interviews and things like that, talking to various fighters. But we're going kind of a different angle now. Um, We're going to focus our attention on UFC 202, which is, of course, headlined by Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. And we're going to give our predictions and analysis on every fight that we have on this card. Uh, The way that it's going to work is that Joel and I, we're going to start with the first fight pass prelim and then work our way from bottom to top, go throughout the entire card, and then finish with the main event. I know that um, I usually do my predictions in written form with my articles on the site, but I figured we would try something a little bit different and just kind of see how this goes. So uh, without further ado, we will go ahead and jump right into these predictions here. The first fight that we have on Fight Pass is going to be Alberto Uda taking on UFC newcomer Marvin Vittori. Alberto Uda, he made his UFC debut in May of 2016. Uh, He actually entered with an undefeated 9-0 record but he came up short and suffered his first defeat to Jake Collier. Uda is pretty well-rounded. He has some good striking. He's particularly good in the clinch. He has a good collar tie, good knees, good strikes from a close distance, even though he's kind of a taller, rangier fighter. And he also has very good jiu-jitsu. His jiu-jitsu would probably be his bread and butter. He has good ground strikes, good submission skills, and he's shown to be pretty capable of finishing guys, whether it be on the feet or on the mat. And his opponent, Marvin Vittori, is also pretty well-rounded. He is particularly a grappler. He is 10-2, and two, and he actually, in his in his last fight, before he made the jump over to the UFC, he fought Igor Orojo, who's a particularly good jiu-jitsu practitioner, and actually submitted him in just over a minute. So it kind of really shows how good of a grappler he is. He has good finishing skills. He's actually, I believe he has like seven of his 10 wins have been by tap out. He's particularly good when he gets fights to the ground, when he gets on top. He has very strong chokes, very good ground and pound, ground strikes. And his striking has actually been improving quite a bit over the last couple of years as well. He's only 22 years old, and he fights out of Italy, but he already seems to be a pretty good prospect from what I can see because he's fighting and beating quite a lot of seasoned guys. And so he's looked very impressive so far. Uh, Joel, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Well, as you mentioned, they're both pretty evenly matched, especially in the grappling department. Alberto does have more of an advantage on the feet, but in my opinion, I see Marvin winning this by submission no later than round two, only because... You know, he's just getting stronger, he's younger, he's more hungrier. And on top of Uda coming off a loss, a TKO loss, you know, it's definitely weighing on his mind right now. So I believe that Marvin takes him down 
overpowers him on the ground and submits him, probably by real naked choke. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, like you said, Uda, he might be a little bit more skilled on the feet. Like we said, he's particularly good in the clinch, and he's a pretty rangy guy. But mm-hmm. he can also be kind of sloppy with his attack at times. He sometimes kind of rushes in, gets over-aggressive, and kind of commits too much to his strikes. And because of that, he really leaves himself open to being countered. And I think that that could come into play here with a guy like Vittori, who, based on his footage, he is very good at closing the distance. He has very good knees, good strikes from short range. And so I think that if Uda kind of overcommits himself and gets too aggressive there, then I think that will leave a lot of openings for his opponent to really catch him off guard. So, yeah, I think that for Uda, he will likely want to get this fight to the clinch as soon as possible, really uh, tie his hands around his opponent's neck, look to land knees really look to wear him down but uh Vittori is the more athletic guy and so I think that the longer the fight goes the more well I see him doing but that being said he's very dangerous early on so that's still going to be another problem for Uda to handle yeah I see it going pretty much the same way that you did I think that Vittori's going to start out pretty aggressive and I see him getting the finish he said within rounds one or two you know I really don't see this going past 10 minutes or so I think that he will either take him to the ground and finish him with strikes or even hurt him on the feet and finish him like that or have him hurt and lock on a submission. But either way, yeah, I see Vittori getting the win here. Going to be Vittori via finish, really. Uh, stoppage with strikes or submission would not surprise me. I'll lean toward, I would say, a submission. See, I would go with Marvin Vittori via submission. I'll say it's a guillotine in the second round. So we both have him picked by a stoppage. Moving on, next we have a very good fight between two top prospects. Still on fight pass in the welterweight division, we have Colby Covington taking on Max Griffin. Uh, Covington, obviously a very, very skilled prospect based on his wrestling. He's really looked very good. He has a 9-1 and record, and he's really dominated practically everyone that they've put in front of him. I mean, his sheer grappling and his athleticism alone have really, really elevated him to a fighter that you have to watch at 170 pounds. He's just he's very good at taking his fights to the clinch, dragging guys down, and just overwhelming them with his grappling. He gets, when he gets on top of his opponents, he's just so difficult for guys to handle. You know, his, his ground strikes are very great. His ground to pound is fantastic. And then he just smothers guys and then disperse his openings for submissions. And that style alone makes him so difficult for many of his opponents to handle. And so he'll be taking on uh, UFC newcomer Max Griffin. And Griffin, he's looked like a very good prospect over the last few years. He's fought in Kachi Palace. He looked very good there. He fought like in the WFC. He had a brief, brief stint on the Ultimate Fighter. He unfortunately didn't make it into the house, but he still looked impressive there. Griffin is primarily a striker. He has half of his wins by knockout. He has good movement, uh, very fast hands, and good power in them. He's coming off of a very good uh, 43-second knockout over UFC that David Mitchell, and he's fought some other good guys too, you know, he had a close fight with uh, Chidi Njikawani, he beat Ricky Lachere Jr. Overall, he's a very good prospect, and I, I think that he can do well in the UFC, but this, is, but this is going to be a very, very tricky fight for him for a UFC debut. The way I see it is, I mean, definitely Max is dangerous on, on his feet. Kobe is known for his wrestling, as we spoke before, and he is known for breaking his opponents down and executing his plan to, you know, to their profession and the way they wanted it to be played out, just like his last fight. It was basically done to perfection. The way I see this fight playing out, I, I do see Kobe winning the fight, but I do see it as a decision. I see him winning via decision. I, yeah, the way I see it, it's Max, I think, is the more skilled fighter on the feet. He obviously has very good finishing ability in his hands, but I think that it will be very difficult for him to keep Covington off of him just because Covington's pressure and his pace 
is very, very challenging for his opponents when he gets in close and he just tests their cardio. And like you said, he breaks them. You know, he wears them down, he roughs them up, and then he goes in for the finish. And so I think that it might be challenging for Griffin to get more comfortable on the feet with that constant pressure from his opponent. Well, I'll say this. I, I said decision, but I could also see it going via submission on the third round. I'd say that he'll wear him down, wear him down, and then just work his plan to perfection and just choke him out. But if I had to choose one or the other, I definitely would say uh, decision first. Yeah, and, you know, I think that it's a winnable fight for both guys. I think that Covington, he obviously has the experience. And like I said, this is not going to be an easy fight for Griffin, especially for a UFC debut when you already have so many eyes on you. It's just such a new experience. Covington's striking, it's been improving, but it's not quite on the level of Griffin's. You know, he, he, his striking did look much better in his last fight. He pulled off that nice uh, spinning back fist, I believe, in the third round, which led to the naked choke. But he's got to be careful, though, to not get too comfortable because he We've seen at times with Griffin, some of those times his opponents will get a little bit too relaxed on the feet, and that's what gives him those openings to land his shots. And when he connects cleanly, he has that power to really finish a good number of people at 170. Oh, most definitely. And that, that's one thing that Covington has been working on has been the striking. He has been working with some world-class strikers about four or five different strikers that he brought in for camp. That's not including who's in American Top Team that he's working with. So I accept decision, but don't be surprised if you see him standing a little bit more than usual. Yeah, and, you know, it really wouldn't be surprising. Um, you know, he is getting better with each fight, and I do see him being successful here. I think that both men will be very, very successful at welterweight. But I think that Covington's main, mainly his athleticism and his experience is going to be the main difference here. I think that Covington is going to do what he does best. He's going to pressure forward, clinch up with him, drag his opponent to the ground, and really just kind of impose his will, really, really put forward that smothering pressure that he does. And like you said, I think that he, I think that'll wear him down and either get that decision or possibly a late finish. Uh, provided that he doesn't get overly comfortable on the feet and then allow Max to fall into that striking rhythm that he's known for. Right, absolutely agree. Definitely. So I think that we both see that fight going the same way. I think that it will be competitive, but overall I think that Covington's experience is going to be the key difference here in helping him either get that late submission win or win on the scorecards. All right, and moving on to the last fight pass prelim, we have a fantastic matchup. I'm really not sure why the fight is on fight pass. I think that it is without a doubt worthy of being on the main card. It is between Neil Magny and Lorenz Larkin, two very, very impressive welterweight fighters here. Neil Magny, I mean, he it's really crazy, his story. He started off his UFC career to a very rocky start. He uh, went one and two, but then out of nowhere, he just put on a crazy winning streak. And now he's become a real serious contender at 170 pounds. His win streak is really impressive, and he's really looking better with each performance. His last fight really showed off how much he's improving. He was able to take on a really top contender in Hector Lombard and was able to really survive adversity, really showed off his heart, and he was able to weather the storm and eventually finish the fight. and be the first person to finish Lombard with strikes in any mixed martial arts fight. So I think that that fight really showed how much Magni is improving as of late. And his opponent, Lorenz Larkin, was also having some trouble in the UFC earlier in his career when he was fighting at middleweight. But then, since dropping down to welterweight, he has looked better than ever, having done 3-1. and one. He's beaten guys like John Howard. Uh, Santiago Ponzanibio, who's a very, very dangerous striker, had a minor setback against Albert Tumanov, who's another great prospect. 
And then he's coming off a win over Jorge Masvidal, who's a top guy. And so both guys have really looked better than ever, and they've really come into their own in the UFC. And I think that that's what makes this such an interesting fight. Absolutely. And to answer your question, I believe that they have him on Fight Pass, just like they had Portier and Duffy. Um, it's just to attract more viewers because they're just trying to get Fight Pass off the ground a little bit better than, you know, just get more subscribers. So they're trying to add more named fighters and more successful fights that will attract them to to the, you know, to subscribe. Um, one thing about Larkin, too, Larkin also competed at light heavyweight. Larkin has been active yeah. for, at this for a long time. I believe he beat King Mo, if I'm not mistaken, in strike force. And, um, you know, Larkin is a very flashy striker, very, very unpredictable at times, but he also does have some holes in his game. He's susceptible to, to the knockout. With that being said, Neil Magny is not a, a vo- power puncher. He's more of a volume puncher and more of a, you know, keeping you at bay with his long, long limbs. I, I would say that it's definitely going to be more on the feet than anything. If it does get to the ground, I see either one of the fighters getting up rather quickly, and I, I see Magny via decision. I mean, it's going to be a tough fight for, for both guys, but I think it's more of a tougher fight for Larkin, in my opinion. Magny is just been incredible, you know, a serious contender at the division. And just his, his reach alone, it's just very, very long, especially for that weight class. I see him winning probably by unanimous decision. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I agree with everything you said there. Um, Larkin, yeah, very flashy strikers. There's a lot of very unorthodox stuff in there. But with, I think a big key here will be Magny's reach. I think that his reach, his height, that just causes so many guys trouble. I think that that really will be the difference. Magny's striking defense, it improvement because one of the reasons we're seeing his heart tested so much is because he gets cracked sometimes, like he did against Gastelum, like he did against Lombard. Uh, he did that against Hungi Lim, who we'll talk about later. So we do see him tested a bit. So it would be surprising to see Larkin have him hurt early in the first round. But I think that even if Larkin does that, I'm really not sure that he's going to be able to finish Neil because he's so tough to put away. And so I think that even if Larkin does have early success, Neil will be able to weather the storm and eventually take over in rounds two and three and really start pouring it on as the fight progresses. Because we've seen time and time again, it might start a little bit slow, but once he gets into that rhythm, that's when he gets really good and he starts to really take over and control his fights. So, yeah, like you said, I think that Neil's volume is going to be a little bit too much for him. I think that if he chooses to take it to the ground, then he can. He has, his takedowns have been improving well. His jiu-jitsu has gotten better. So I think that if he does mix in his grappling, that'll help him even more. But like you said, I think that uh, Magni is going to use his volume, his reach, his jab, his well-roundedness, all of that. That's all going to help him to possibly survive some early, uh, some rough moments in the fight but then eventually I take over in the second and third and win on the decision. It's going to be very, very competitive, but I do see Magni winning the decision here. All right, so we both have Neil Magni picked by unanimous decision. And moving on, we're taking things over to Fox Sports 1 for the televised prelims. And first fight on here, we have Randa Marcus taking on Courtney Casey. Randa Marcus is a very good grappler in the women's strawweight division. She looked very impressive on Tough 21. Had some very good wins there. Had that upset win over Tisha Torres. And she's looked pretty good lately. Uh, she, she's she been a little bit inconsistent in the UFC. She had a close split decision loss to Jessica Penne. And then the decision loss to Carolina Kovalkovich, who's a top strawweight in the division. But she still looked good. She still beat um, Ashley Bailey. She beat Jocelyn Jones-Lyberger. 
And her biggest strength is her grappling, but her striking has been improving over her last couple of performances, especially showcased in that Ashlyn Daly fight. And she'll be taking on Courtney Casey, who has struggled a bit throughout her career. She had that short notice fight against Joanne Calderwood, and she came up short against Sohee Ham. But she did pick up a very, very big TKO win in her last performance. And I think that that fight really showed what she's capable of because she's a very athletic person. She has very good striking, good in the clinch, good knees, good high output of strikes. And I think that that fight really showed what she's capable of. And I think that this uh, could be this could wind up being a pretty close fight, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a fan of Casey. You know, I'm definitely a fan of Stand the Fighters. She had a definitely good imp- um, good show in the last fight, and she's actually won Fight of the Night two out of the three times. If I'm not mistaken, she won the last one. I'm not sure, but the first two fights that she had. You know, although she come, came off a loss, fight of the night, which goes a long way, especially with the talent that's in the UFC. But with that being said, Marcos is more of a, of a grappler, more of a, you know, submission fighter, if you will. Uh, Courtney is definitely known for her stand-up, her clinch work. I see this panning out, going towards Marcos' way, and I see a submission. I see I see her beating her by submission. What round, I don't know. But I do see her winning by submission. I do also see Courtney maybe cracking her a couple of times and maybe hurting her, and that's what cause her to take her down and, and go for the kill, submitting, submitting Casey. Yeah, and we've seen from Marcus, she does tend to struggle sometimes with other really high output of strikers, like she did in the Kovalkovich fight. But I mm-hmm. think that her grappling will be the key difference here. Her striking is good. It's not the most technical, but it is. she does have some good power, and she does have a good volume of offense. And so I think that it will be competitive on the feet. Casey might be getting the better of her if it stays at a close distance. But eventually, I see Marcos mixing in her takedowns and really outpositioning her, planting Casey on the back, really controlling her from top position, and then either locking on a submission or winning on the scorecards. But, yeah, either way, I see Marcos just using her ground game to really overwhelm Casey and get the win here. So you picked her by submission. I'm actually I'm going to lean towards a decision here. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking if Marcos found the submission somewhere along the way, but I'm actually leaning towards a decision there. I think that Marcos will probably be the safer pick there. The next fight, we're going to move over to the featherweight division with kind of a weird matchup here. We have Artem Labov taking on Chris Avila. So we all know we saw Artem Labov on, on the Ultimate Fighter. He's, of course, the training partner of Conor McGregor. And I think that the UFC is trying to set up one of those, like, you know, rivalry camp things going on because Artem Labov is one of McGregor's guys and Chris Avila is one of Nate Diaz's guys. So that's kind of a, I think that's why we're seeing this kind of interesting matchup on the Fox Sports 1 prelims, but Artem Labov, yeah, you kind of know what you're getting with him when he steps in the cage. He likes to charge forward, he keeps his hands very low, and he looks to land that right hand. That's that's his main thing. He does taunt guys quite a bit. He likes to bait guys into engaging in brawls, which lets to catch them coming in. And while that's not really the safest tactic, his chin is very good. Labov is a very durable guy, and so he, he at least has that going for him with that fighting style. Uh, Chris Avila is pretty different. His striking still needs some improvement from what we've seen. He's not the most comfortable in the feet. His biggest strength is definitely his jiu-jitsu. He has a very slick ground game. He likes to tie up with his guys, get him to the ground, and then work his submission game. So I think it'll be kind of interesting to see how things play out here. I agree with everything you just said. This is more of a one of the fights that... Yeah, you don't even know, you don't know what you're gonna get out of. I'm gonna 
go with Ward Autumn. I mean, it could go either way, but I just see him winning perhaps TKO or decision. But, you know, it, it's it's definitely one of those fights that you just, you don't, you don't know where you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I really, like, trying to kind of gauge how this fight is going to play out is really, really tricky because Labov, his striking, it's not the most technical. You know, he obviously, he doesn't really set up much of his strikes. He just, like we said, he likes to charge forward and land that right hand. But I think that he still will be the better striker between them because, Avila, his striking, he's not the most confident with it. He te- He's very, very noticeably more comfortable on the ground. He has shown some showcases of power in his hands. He has some, some knockout wins on his record. But I think that if he plays around with Labov too much on the feet, I think that it will just be a matter of time before Labov lands a right hand and possibly ends it. But if Avila can implement his grappling game, that's where I see him having the most success here. Avila, his takedowns are not the best. He tends to really wrap up with guys and try to drag them to the ground. But to Avila's credit, he is very active when he does get his fight when he gets his fighters to the mat. He's very active with the submissions. He has very good transitions. And so if he does manage to get Labov down, not sure if he'd be able to submit him, but I do think that he would be able to control him. But I think the big quest the big question there is will he be even be able to get the fight to the ground in the first place? Because he doesn't really have the stronger wrestling chops to really take Labov down, I don't think. It's a very weird fight. It's a tricky one to predict, but I'm actually siding with you here. I think that while Labov has not looked the most impressive, either on the Ultimate Fighter or on the UFC so far, I think that he does have the skills here and the experience here to win because Avila is still very green. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience as a professional. I think that Labov can really use that to his advantage. I think it'll keep the fight standing and either win by knockout or get a decision. I would probably lean toward decision because Avila is a very durable guy. He, you know, he's like the Diaz brothers. He can really take a shot. And so a knockout wouldn't be shocking from Artem, but I do think that either way he will get the decision provided that he can keep Avila off of him and not be on the receiving end of any jiu-jitsu offense. With uh, Artem there, I'm leaning towards decision, possibly a knockout, and sort of kind of both going the same way there. With our next fight, we have a matchup in the women's bantamweight division between Raquel Pennington and Elizabeth Phillips. Raquel Pennington, she is obviously known for her time on the Ultimate Fighter, but she's looked pretty good in the UFC so far. She had that very close fight with Holly Holm. She has impressive submission wins over Ashley Evans-Smith. She had a very impressive rear naked choke win over Jessica Andrade. And coming off of a split decision win over Betch Cohea, the former title challenger. So she's really looked impressive and really made the most of her UFC career so far. And she's a pretty well-rounded fighter. And then we have uh, Miss Elizabeth Phillips, who, of course, uh, we spoke to earlier. She had some rough luck at the beginning of her UFC career against Valerie Letourneau and Emiliana Dudieva. Those are both split decision losses, very, very close fights. But she did come up victorious against Jessamyn Duke with an impressive decision win back in July of 2015. Now, the layoff from Phillips is a bit concerning here because Pennington is a very active fighter. You know, she competes very frequently. But I think that even with that layoff, and having Phyllis being sidelined for over a year, I still think that this is going to be a very, very close fight here. I do see it as a close fight as well. Pennington is a very well-decorated uh, striker. She's actually one of my favorites in, in the division, to be honest. I definitely do see her posing some threats for Elizabeth on the feet. In regards to the layoff for, for Phillips, it could be concerning, but one thing that 
that I do know is that she's been she's been very active with her training, traveling, you know, from the West Coast to the, you know, to Midwest and whatnot, just traveling to different camps and staying busy and improving her skills so that when she does get that call for that fight, it, she's ready. Like, unfortunately, she wasn't ready for February because she was still recovering from her injury. But um, one thing that I do see and I foresee is Elizabeth taking her down quite a bit. Raquel does have some issues with people taking her down. One thing I do give Raquel, as, as well as I'm pretty sure a lot of the MMA world gives it to her, I believe she beat home in that fight. That that was too close for comfort. But, of course, never leave it in the hands of the judges. Unfortunately, that should have been the win for her. Uh, she's beaten, you know, people from Invicta, uh, Ta- Tanya. She submitted Tanya. She has an impressive resume of, of, of who's who in the women's in, in women's MMA. But with that being said, I'm going to go with Elizabeth by decision, and I'll say split decision, and it'll be due to the takedowns. Yeah, and I think that another factor that has me a little bit worried about Raquel Pennington is that she can be a little bit inconsistent with her performances. Um, Sometimes she will look very, very good. Other times she'll look a little bit more hesitant. And so when a fighter is kind of inconsistent like that, it makes them very cautious to pick them. When she's on, I think that she's very good. She's very She can be competitive against roughly anyone in her division, I think. She Absolutely. has pretty good grappling, pretty good boxing, very good choke. But one thing that I think could also come into play here is that Phillips, she trains in the same camp as people like Juliana Pena, who, of course, is a top fighter in her division, you know, Michael Chiesa, guys like that that are so good. And you got to imagine training with those guys. She's going, She's been getting better and better while she's been sidelined for so long. And especially having these close fights, I mean, she could very well, her record could actually even be better than it is now just because the fights are so close and, you know, the judges could have leaned slightly one way or the other. But nonetheless, I think that it will be a very competitive fight. I think that it's going to be a very close fight. But I do think that Phillips' grappling will be a difference here. Unless Pennington can really lock on a choke and try to get the finish, I think that Phillips can plant her on her back and really use superior control to get the win here. Again, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be razor thin. I think it could go either way, but I'm leaning towards Elizabeth Phillips by split decision here. Yeah, and she's been training with some beasts. Um, Elizabeth's been training with Ricardo Lamas as well, uh, LCCT in Chicago. So, you know, she's been training with some some very, very durable, dangerous people. I mean, like I said, uh, Rocky is very good on the feet. And also what you said, she's been inconsistent. Both fighters have been victims of injustice with bad judging. So, you know, it it, it would be in their best interest not to let it go to the hands of the judges. But, you know, like many women's MMA fights, unfortunately, you know, they go to decision. But, again, I I go with a split decision for Elizabeth. And, hey, we'll never never know. She might surprise us with with a submission. I mean, they, that's one thing that they have been working on has been submission. So anything is possible, but I'm going with the split decision. Yeah, so we have them picked on both by decision. Uh, been I on have, the uh, same page so far. I have Phillips in split decision. Our next uh, matchup will be in the bantamweight division, the featured prelim. Interesting matchup here. We have the top of bantamweight prospect Cody Garbrandt taking on Takeya Mizugaki. Garbrandt, he is, of course, one of the top guys at 135 pounds. He is undefeated as a professional. And he's coming off of a very, very impressive performance back in May against Thomas Almeida, where he defeated him by first-round knockout. And I think that that fight really cemented him as 
not just a top prospect, but really a top contender and a guy that really could be fighting for the belt before too long here. Yeah, I I think we're both, in my opinion, going to agree on this. I see Cody Garbrandt winning by first-round knockout. If if not the first, absolutely does not get past the second. You have Mizugaki, who was TKO'd by Dominic Cruz, who, you know, Dominic Cruz does have some power, but he's more of a volume puncher. Cody Garbrandt is just an absolute animal on his on the, on the feet. What he did to Almeida was something that opened my eyes up. I was rooting for Almeida myself, and he truly made a believer out of me that night. And I see this kid going as high as possible in the division and hopefully getting a title shot within the next couple of years. This kid has a bright future. I think so, yeah. And, you know, he's just getting better and better with each fight. Mm-hmm. And Mizugaki, he is coming off of a win, but before that, yeah, he had that quick knockout loss to Dominic Cruz. He had the fight with Aljamain Sterling, where Sterling just really got the better of him there. And so, Mizugaki, he was, uh, I think, a top guy, but his most recent performances have been a bit concerning. He's best when he uses his grappling. He likes to clinch up with guys, take them down, work ground and pound, really, really control them. But that's going to be difficult because Barron is one of those guys who's, like, constantly moving. His footwork and his timing is very, very tricky to deal with. The way he moves his hands, the way he just throws those unorthodox strikes, that's just going to be. I think. It's, I think that's just going to be too difficult for Mizugaki to handle. I see Garbrandt keeping the fight on the feet, and on top of that, I mean, he he has a pretty underrated wrestling game too. He has some good wrestling chops, so I think that even if it does uh, go to the ground, it'll still be pretty competitive. But either way, I see Garbrandt keeping the fight standing. Mixing up his strikes, getting the better of of his opponent, and eventually finding that knockout. I think that it will likely be, I would say, in the first round. If it does go past the first round, I think, yeah, it, I, mean, I agree with you. I think it really doesn't make it past the second uh, either way. I I would lean towards the first round stoppage because I, I see Garbrandt coming out fairly aggressive. But either way, Cody Garbrandt by knockout within the first 10 minutes, I think, is the way to go. So I think that we're in agreement there. It's going to be Cody Garbrandt by knockout fairly early in his fight. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to funkymonkeymma at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.